Thanks for joining us. Before we get started with the message, I want you to know that we truly care about you and what's going on in your life. If you need prayer, please give us a call, send us an email, or connect with us on our app. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Today, Pastor Dwayne's message is entitled Disciple. It's not about how we should make disciples of others, but instead, how to become one ourselves. He'll be taking a look at Philippians chapter 4. This is a step-by-step guide to showing God's love to others. Let's take a look. I want to talk to you about making disciples, which was very simply Jesus' passion. Uh, He, of course, immediately as he began his ministry, he selected 12 disciples, and then it was 70, and then that group grew. But in Matthew 28, right as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, he says, go therefore and make disciples. Now, Jesus didn't say get people forgiven. He didn't say make them a Christian so they're on their way to heaven. Those are all true things. But he said go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And literally, Jesus began his ministry making disciples. And For three and a half years, he was making disciples. And when he arose from the dead, he spent time with his disciples talking about, the Bible says, about the kingdom of God. So I want to just take the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians today, where Paul really is talking to the Philippians about becoming disciples. Uh, uh, He's not saying this is about discipleship, but what he's doing is he's going down through their lives, their priorities, and talking about becoming a disciple. How do you do it? Right? Now, the, the book of Philippians was written to the people in Philippi, a, a city on the Aegean Sea in the northern part. And it was really, for the most part, a retirement center for Roman soldiers. After they'd served their time, uh, they would be sent by Rome into areas where they wanted to populate. And uh, so these, these, uh, these ex-soldiers, many of them, had been loyal to Rome, right? But now they're becoming disciples of Jesus. He's going to change the way that they think about everything, right? Remember beforehand they had to say that Caesar was Lord and now Jesus is Lord. Before they were taught that Caesar was the Son of God and now Jesus is the Son of God. But I want to start in Philippians 4 and verse 2. It says, I implore Iodia and I implore Sintia to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, he's going to talk to him about building a bridge to another person, about not competing, about being kingdom-minded. I remember Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be, be done. And here we have two sisters in the Lord, and, and uh, they've got some conflict going on, and they're competing. Now, uh, people of faith have a bias towards action, right? Because faith is an act. In fact, one translation of Hebrews 11 says, by an act of faith, 20 times, by an act of faith. Faith is, 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 do, is moving, it's active, right? It's on the attack. But, but really, faith should be on the attack against the devil, but never against another believer. Never against somebody else. But there's this competition that's going on, and he wants them to be kingdom-minded. 
Now, when you're kingdom-minded, you rejoice with those that rejoice. Right? You're, you're, you're for other people, and you're, you're, you're excited when good things happen for them. I remember years ago, about, a, about 100 miles from here, we had started another church. And we were working with this church that we had started. In fact, uh, I, I remember the first meeting. We had it in, a, in uh, the, the, the main building of a golf course. We had rented it, and we got some people together and talked to them about the, the vision and planted this church. And, and I was working with the pastor. And about 15 miles away, I got an invitation to go to a church, meet with this pastor, uh, because they were, they were, they're just going through a hard time. And uh, somehow in conversation with the church that we had started, it came up that 15 miles away, this church had asked me to come and, and, and help them out. And I mean, this pastor got all livid. He's like, you cannot go help them. Now you're helping us, right? And we can't have you helping anybody else. Because my goodness, if, what, if, what if God starts to move there and people leave here and go there? Now how many know that's just the wrong attitude? Right? We're supposed to be kingdom-minded. Right? We're supposed to rejoice with those that rejoice. And, and, uh, you know, and, and what I said to him, I said, now as a pastor, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to rejoice when another church gets blessed. Uh, it didn't go over very well, by the way. All right? And I was like, hey, you just want the, the, the level of the, the Spirit of God as activity to, to go up in your region. All right? We need to be kingdom-minded. It's not about my kingdom or your kingdom. It's about his kingdom. You know, I remember saying to him, uh, you are not going to be judged by the size of your church. You're going to be judged by your faithfulness to God, right? You need to prioritize the kingdom. But in 2 Corinthians 10, in verse 12, it says, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, here's what it's saying. It's saying when you compete and when you compare, you always lose. It says you're not wise. So here's what we do. We can do it either way, both, both sides. Uh, the interesting thing about walking with the Lord, all right, is there's this highway. It talks in, in the, the prophets about the highway. But um, how many of you have noticed that on both sides of the highway, there's a ditch? So for every mile of road, there's two miles of, of ditch, right? And the devil does not care which ditch you get in, as long as he gets you in a ditch, right? And when it comes to comparison, there's two ditches. One ditch is I take my strength and I compare it to somebody else's weakness. And I'm like, praise the Lord. I'm so anointed. I'm God's man of faith and power. That's one ditch, my strength, their weakness. Or I take my weakness and compare it to their strength, right? And it happens so often. How many know, like on Facebook, you're seeing everybody's A-reel, all right? And then you compare that to what's going on with you, and you're like, oh. Or you look at your strength, okay, and your weakness, and you compare it to somebody else's strength, and you're like, oh, Jeepers, creepers, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm terrible, I'm going to eat worms. I mean, you guys get depressed, right? You know what both of them are? Ditches. Pride's a ditch. Depression is a ditch. See, we're not to compare ourselves. We're not, we, we, are, we are not here to please people. We're here to please 
to please God. We have got one judge. And ultimately, on Judgment Day, the only thing that's going to matter is if he says, well done, you good and faithful servant. Or he says, well, you're done. <laughs> Judgment Day is coming for every one of us. All right? Now, in, uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus has risen from the dead. And he's talking with Peter. He's restoring Peter. And he's, he literally, he tells Peter, when you're old, they're gonna, you're, you're going to die in a way that glorifies me, and it's not going to be real exciting. Then Peter turned around. He saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who will betray you? And Peter, seeing John, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about him? And Jesus said, none of your business. No. He said, literally, he said, if, if it's my will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, don't worry about what's happening with somebody else because you're not in competition with somebody else. We're not to be comparing ourselves with somebody else. We've got one judge, and that's Jesus, and we need to do what he tells us to do, be faithful to what he calls us to do, and not worry or be concerned about what's going on with somebody else. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Now remember, he's, he's really, what, what Paul is doing here is he is helping them be disciples of Jesus. And he said, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Let me say it like this, he's telling them control your emotions, and your attitudes. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. He's saying, you need to take control of your emotions. Don't be depressed. Don't walk in dread. Don't be in despair. He's saying, control your emotions. In fact, he's telling you what you need to do is you need to do something. He says, you need to rejoice. You need to rejoice. Now, now, here's the thing. Through logic, you cannot change your emotions. You can tell yourself that you should behave. You can tell yourself you should be happy. But how many of you know that doesn't really do much? Right? I, I, I took psychology 101 and learned all about Pablo's dog and all that stuff. How many of you were there too? Remember that back in, back in college, first year, you know? Uh, and, and one of the things that they taught us is, is that through logic, you could not change emotions. But through action, you could change emotions. Through action, you could change emotions. So what he's telling us here, he says, you just begin to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. In other words, when you don't feel like it, you rejoice. And if you begin to lift up your voice to God, right, and you begin to rejoice, things begin to happen inside of you, things begin to happen in the spirit world when you begin to voice that rejoicing on the inside of you. Remember when they put Paul and Silas in prison? They had beaten their backs. They're bleeding. They put their hands and their feet in stocks, right? It's midnight. They're in a dungeon, and they begin to do... Here was the problem. You see, they had their backs bleeding. They had bound their hands, and they had bound their feet, but they hadn't bound their mouth. And as long as they hadn't bound their mouth, 
that something was going to happen. And they began to rejoice in the Lord. They began to worship. They began to praise God. And when they did, something happened. Now, let me just tell you something. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm going to tell you what happened first of all. Something happened inside them as they began to rejoice. But as they began to rejoice, the Spirit of God moved, shook that prison, and everybody's bonds became loose. When you begin to act, when you begin to rejoice, when you begin to use your voice and thank God and praise God, things begin to happen. Do not let your heart be troubled. Saying, control your attitudes, control your emotions. Don't let your attitude downgrade. Because of an event, because of a person, because of an emotion, because of the circumstance, don't let your attitude downgrade. Stay in faith and keep on rejoicing. The Bible says, since we have the same spirit of faith. Now, as believers, we've got that spirit, that attitude of faith. Now, you can let it get suppressed. And there's always people that will try to suppress your attitude of faith. When, when David was a shepherd boy and went down to the valley of Elah where the army was and heard that giant Goliath say, send me a man to fight with me. I defy the armies of Israel. He, he said, uh, I'll go. I'll go and fight with them. And the first thing that happened was his older brother said to him, I know the insolence of your heart. You've come down here to see the battle. And with who have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? His brother immediately began to attack that attitude of faith that he had. And, and by the way, the Bible tells us what David did. He didn't even answer him. He just turned his back to him and began to talk to somebody else, keeping that attitude, that spirit of faith alive. Then he went to see the king. They brought him to the king, and the king said, you can't fight him. You're just a young kid. He's a man of war and has been since his youth. And David began again to talk and to say, this is what God has done for me. I've killed lions, I've killed bears, and I'm going to take that Philistine out. Right? But Saul was saying, you can't go. There's always people that are going to try to suppress that spirit of faith. When Joshua and Caleb came back, along with 10 other spies from spying out the promised land, 10 spies stood up and said, we cannot go in. Because there's seven nations, there's walled cities, they're giants, and they are stronger than we are. But Joshua and Caleb said, let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome. Realize that if you have that attitude, that spirit of faith, there's always going to be opposition. In fact, the majority is always going to be in opposition of that spirit of faith. Because the attitude, the spirit of this world is not the spirit of faith. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have this ministry and have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Another translation says we do not get discouraged. And I want to tell you something I told you a few weeks ago, but I want to remind you that faith is never a picture of any moment in time. Right? It's never a picture of a moment in time. Now, what I'm saying is that the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Faith is not a moment. Faith is a life. Right? If you looked at Job, 
There was a day when he lost all of his family. The same day, he lost all of his possessions. And then shortly thereafter, he's, he has boils over his entire body. He's sitting on the ground. He's got a piece of broken pottery, and he's scraping the pus out of the boils on his body. And his wife came along and said, curse God and die. How many of you know that was a bad day? That was a bad day. But you know what? Job lived by faith. Job lived by faith. And that picture that day was not the end of Job. The Bible says that God turned his captivity, that God had mercy and compassion on him. Right? And you may be going through it today, right? but today is not the final picture. Right? So don't look at a moment and think this is the way things are going to be forever because it's not true. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.18, the path of those who do right is like the sun in the morning. It shines brighter and brighter until the full light of day. Just like God turned the captivity of Job, he will turn your captivity. Verse 5, let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. You are the only Bible that many people will ever see. They'll never open their Bible and read it, but they look at you. And he says, let your moderation be known to all men. He's saying, live a life of discipline, of self-control. People watch you. They watch you on your good days. They watch you on your bad days, right? Now, let me say something here. You don't do something because people are watching. You do it because it's right, and you do it because it's wrong. Or don't do it because it's wrong, all right? <laughs> You know, I remember as, as uh, our kids were, were growing up and uh, people would come to them and say, well, what do your parents let you do about this? And what do your parents say about that? And what do your parents, you know, do with this? And, and, and we, we, we tried to put zero pressure on them because they were pastor's kids. This is what we said to them. I said, this is what we do because it's right. And this is what we don't do because it's wrong, right? It's not a matter of who's watching. It's a matter of what's right and it's a matter of what's wrong. But people watch you on your good days, and they watch you on your bad days. They see your marriage, your attitude, how you handle your money, what you do with family problems. They see when it's good and when it's bad, right? But what we do is we live right because it's the right thing to do. And when you're doing it because it's right, you're going to do the right thing in your marriage, in your attitude, with your money, on good days and on bad days. I remember years ago, this is probably, again, 15 years ago, we had started a church about 150 miles from here. And uh, the pastor had a daughter who was a senior in high school, and she got pregnant. And he called me up. And he said, Pastor, my daughter's pregnant. I'm I'm resigning. I need you to find a new pastor for the church. And I said to him, no, you're not. I said, you're not resigning. I said, you're going to love your daughter, and you're going to walk through your daughter through this pregnancy, and you're going to help her, and you're going to show people how to live when you've got problems. Right? How do you live when you've got problems? Because faith is not just for good days. Faith is for bad days. 
All right? And he said, you let your moderation, you let it be known to all men. You live right on good days. You live right on bad days. Sure, there's people watching, but you're just diligent to do the right thing. Proverbs 12, 27. The lazy man doesn't roast what he takes hunting, but diligence is a man's precious possession. Diligence is a man's precious possession. To do the right thing again and again and again and again and again and again, it's your precious possession. Right? In Numbers 27, Moses is about to die. He knows it. And he's talking to the Lord, and he said, now, now God, he said, uh, you, need to, you need to bring somebody in to, to, to lead here. And he prays, and he said, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. Now listen, who may go out before them and come in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in. So, so when Moses talks about qualifications to lead in the kingdom of God, and it's really his qualifications to lead anywhere, he said, go out before them and come in before them. Very simple, live your life in moderation, be an example. Do the right thing again and again. When you go out, when you come in. When you go out, when you come in, just be an example. And he said, and then you can lead others out and bring others in. Right? So as disciples, we just keep on doing the right thing. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, in supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And this was pretty simple. Pray about everything. Look, we need to spend more time with God than we do on social media and watching the news. Right? That, that ought to be your, your that, that, for a lot of us, that can be our judge. All right? How are we doing? We need to spend more time talking to God, listening to God, studying His Word, right? Prayer helps us keep perspective. We need God. You, you are limited. You are limited by your ability. But when we pray, all of a sudden, God's supernatural ability becomes available. Prayer keeps us humble. Prayer keeps us thankful to God. Right? And you cannot win in the kingdom of God on your own. Every victory in the kingdom of God, it's a prayer victory. It's an obedience victory, right? When we pray, you take your stress, you take your disappointments, your problems, and you give them to God. And we need his wisdom. We need his strength. We need his power. We need his provision. We need his direction. He's saying, be people of prayer. Now, I've heard people say, well, I'm asked God to make me a person of prayer. No, you need to make yourself a person of prayer. You need to make time, right? How many realize God's not going to make you do anything, right? If God was going to make people do things, first of all, he'd make everybody repent and get saved. And we'd go in the millennium in the morning. If God was going to make everybody do what they ought to do, it'd make everybody tithe. You'd never miss church. Well, I didn't think that'd go over, but thought it'd be better than that. <laughs> prayer protects people. Listen, prayer protects people from me, from my ego, from wrong attitudes, from wrong statements, from doing wrong. Prayer keeps me in touch with God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Right? The peace of God. Hey, hey by the way, when, when you begin to live by faith, do not think the devil will not notice. He will. When Moses came to deliver the, 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 the Israelites from Egyptian bondage, how many of you remember that things got worse before they got better? Right? There, was, there was demonic opposition, and it's true in our lives. Right? But effective discipleship brings change. And there's turmoil in our lives. Right? Organizational turmoil, turmoil with marriage, with kids. Uh, you might be dealing in, in, in your extended family with gangs or in prison and uh, drugs, sexual orientation. There might be some money turmoil, business turmoil, political turmoil, cultural turmoil, right? But what God wants is God wants to bring peace. He is the prince of, of peace. Now, when Jesus comes back, listen, the Bible says that he's coming back to execute judgment on the ungodly, which they have committed in ungodly ways against him, right? In Isaiah, it tells us that the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called the mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, it's when the government's on his shoulders, is when he confronts what's wrong that he's going to be called the Prince of, of Peace, right? And, and we cannot have peace if we are not following God. If we're not confronting what's wrong in our lives, we cannot have the peace that God wants us to have, right? To have that peace, we need to follow God's priorities. And let me just say, prayer is important. Prayer is an extremely high priority with God, right? And we lose our peace when our priorities get wrong, right? We lose our peace when our pace is not God's pace, right? God says, I want you to do this, and we're gone. And God says, in three years. Right. So we, we tend to get in a hurry. We've got to have his pace and his priorities to have his peace. Verse 9. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, do these, and the God of peace will be with you. Now it says, the things that you've learned and receive things that you've seen in me. So first of all, let me just say this. As disciples, it's important that we connect with people that are ahead of you in the spiritual journey. Connect with people ahead of you in the spiritual journey. Right? You, no one was ever meant to live the Christian life alone, to be a disciple of Jesus alone. Connect with people that are ahead of you. But notice he said, which you've learned and received. Now, it's, it's more than just learning. You have to learn and receive. What you learn, you've got in your head. But what you receive is working in your life, right? We've got to have the same heart, the same love for God, the same love for His Word, the same love and concern for the lost, right? You can learn and receive, but they're not the same. Learn? You can learn to give. How many know? You can learn you should give and not give. You, you can learn that you should forgive, but you don't forgive. 
You can learn that you should be in God's Word every day, but you don't get in God's Word every day. Right? You, should, you can learn that you should pray, but you don't pray. Did you learn it? Yep. But are you doing it? Nope. See, you've learned it, but you haven't received it. And Paul says you need to learn, but you need to do more than learn. You need to receive. Right? The difference is, notice he says, and do these things. These things do. Right? When you receive it, you do it. When you learn it, you've got it in your head, but it is not working. You're not doing it. And he said, it's great what you know, but it's not what you know that's going to change your life. You've got to learn it, but it's got to go a step farther. It's got to go from your head to your heart. You've got to be doing it, right? If it's in your head, you know it. If it's in your heart, you do it. What you've learned and what you've received. Lastly, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. He said, when things are good, when they're bad, when I'm on top, when I'm underneath, when I abase, when I abound. He said, I've learned to be content. Don't let circumstances define you. Right? There's good times, there's bad times. Right? It happens to everybody. Not that far from here in South Bend, Indiana, I think it was in 1933, the Studebaker went bankrupt, declared bankruptcy, and the president of Studebaker killed himself as a result of the company going bankrupt. He could not see beyond the bad day that he was in. Now, th those of you, many of you will remember that Studebaker's very best days were still ahead of them. Right? He just looked at where it was today. Right? Instead of having a vision, realizing, yeah, there's bad times, but bad times are temporary and bad times can change. Right? Don't be that person. He says, I I'm content. I'm content when it's good. I'm content when it's not good. I love what the psalmist said. Listen to this. This is Psalms 87. Both the singers and the players on the instrument say, all my springs are in you, or all the reasons for my joy, for my life, are in you. Right? He's saying, don't be so connected to this world that when things get bad in the world, you think that they're bad in your life. Right? Because we need to have our identity, not from what's going on on the outside, but what has happened on the inside. Our identity needs to be who we are in Christ. When Jesus went to be baptized, a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Three things. God recognized him and said, This is my Son. We are connected. He said, He's my beloved. I love him. And then he said, I am well pleased with him. All right? That is your condition in Christ. The Bible says that you are accepted in the beloved. Right? Listen, God loves you. He declares you to be his child. And he looks at you and he said, in Christ, you are accepted. You are my beloved. I am well pleased. Not because you perform perfectly. Not because you're perfect. Paul said, he said, I've learned to be content. 
Because my identity does not come from my circumstances. My identity comes from who I am in Christ. On good days, on bad days, I'm his beloved. He's well pleased in me. I'm his child no matter what's going on on the outside. Say today, if you realize in your heart you're not right with God, you're away from the Lord, and you say, I want to be right with God, let me tell you the two things God wants from you. He wants you to receive the forgiveness that he offers you, and he wants you to surrender your life to Jesus. And I'd like you to pray a prayer with me right now to receive that forgiveness and to surrender your life to Jesus. And when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. Just make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. Now, thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm your child, a part of your family, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, you are right with God. You're forgiven. You're a part of his family on your way to heaven. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. And because of that, the desire, I wrote a book full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. And I want to give it to you free of charge. Uh, all you need to do is get online, download the book, Your New Life. It's going to bless you and help you keep on growing in Jesus. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you're making one of the best decisions of your life. We're so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Disciple in the WBF Store. You can also download the scriptures for this message under the on-demand page. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. We'd love to hear how God is using Walking by Faith in your life. You can connect with us on Facebook or send an email to yourstory@walkingbyfaith.tv. Tune in next week when Pastor will start a new series all about sin and how to avoid it in Soul Destroyer. Until then, be blessed.